Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about how we sequence our treatments, giving away free advice to potential clients and patients down the road, and a big question we're getting a ton on is our thoughts on blood flow restriction training. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show. We're here up in Boston at Champion, where are we? I stuttered there, at Champion PT and Performance here. We got our huge big crew in our new facility again for another cool episode. Lenny McCrina, Dave Tilly, Dan Pope, Coco Chris, if you haven't met our new student, Coco Chris uh, from the University of Delaware. Welcome, Coco. Thanks. It's good. Yeah. I think, I think we're good. Len, thanks for making it on time this week. Yep, I'm great to be here this week. Golf was good last week, but I decided to drop my time this week. All right, Chris, what do we got? Let's get a good one this week. Get only good ones. Okay. Denny from Nashville. Denny. Hi, guys. Wanted to get your opinion on sequencing of your interventions. For example, do you try to perform your manual interventions first to allow for improved capacity for therapeutic exercise afterwards? Do you like to end with manual therapy so that the patient feels good before they leave your clinic? Or does it depend on your caseload for the day and when you can fit things in? For example, if you're double booked or triple booked. Very accurate. I like it. Yes. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Next question. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually a, a really good question, especially for young people just kind of starting out. How do you sequence it? And I th- the second half of your question is, I hate to say it, but it is about like double, triple booked. Like it's about fitting it into your schedule. So one trick that I tell everybody, the the universities might get mad at me on this one here. I do all my notes for the day at the beginning of the day. Everybody's different, right? Like Dave does it like three weeks later, like something like that. Sometimes forgets (laughs) to do that. (laughs) If he does them, just, you know, not to call you out, but okay, I called you out. But uh, (laughs) I don't think that's ever happened. No, I, I do all my daily notes at the beginning of my day. Okay. For really a couple of reasons, but my number one reason is I want to be prepared for the entire day. When everybody comes, in the room it's boom i'm on right the the worst thing you can do is be like like one not know who the heck the person is so like oh hey like so you got to know who's coming in but you got to know exactly what to do from start to finish they love that the second you have to run over to your computer or or what or fo- folders we don't have everything's emr <laughs> no, nowadays you know folders anymore the second you, you have to run over <laughs> to your notes and kind of figure out oh what the heck do i do with this guy i don't remember this guy you've lost them you've completely lost them and they feel like just like a, a dime a dozen kind of person so i do all my notes at the beginning of the day to plan that out but when you do that you can plan your day and you say like okay i'm a little double booked here this person i'm going to get all this stuff in first or something like that so yes unfortunately that's it but i do think there's a better way so you know instead of just me i don't know what do you guys do? No, I agree. I think it is really, I mean, I would say I agree that you have to kind of go on the fly and do things, but you should have a really good general template in your mind about like how you like approaching things. So usually, you know, establishing rapport with the person, like doing your soft tissue and your menu work first, introducing new exercises and like maybe addressing ones they've done before and they want to go over. Like I tend to go on a like flow pattern, but then like you said, stuff just kind of 
comes out of the blue or somebody shows up early, like you don't want them to sit in the corner for 20 minutes. So right. things happen all the time that you want to make it work. But I would say whatever works for you, try to make, write it out like a general template. So like, I'm going to try to go by this. So that way when you go back, you'll know exactly where you were. Yeah. So, uh, so, I, so I think to, to go back to the question though, is I think you, I, I like the way you said it at the beginning there. We do use manual therapy to get them ready for Therex quite, quite often, right? So that's usually, I would say, our, our, our big component. So the way you would set up like an, an exercise program now is, you know, you do tissue prep, you do movement prep, then you get into your loading and stuff like that. We do the same thing with rehab. So tissue prep might be, uh, moist heat. It could be ultrasound. It could be laser. I don't know. Whatever you want to do in your clinic. Uh, it could be manual therapy, soft tissue work, uh, range motion, joint modes, whatever it is. It's like your tissue prep, you're getting them ready. Then their movement prep, it transitions into that and then into their loading. I would definitely say that. I, I would, I, did, I don't do manual therapy at the end to make people feel good and leave good. Um, I, I personally, that's not, I don't, that's not why I do manual therapy. Um, I do it to enhance movement quality. So I want to do it before that. So anything different, Dan, Len? I mean, I have a yeah. slight variation. I think we all do manual therapy before and end just to tweak mics. Not that we're doing soft tissue work, but I think we usually end with a little stretch at the end. If it's a post-op, we're doing a little more range. At least I do. I do a little more range of motion at the end. I want to check in with the person. I do motion at the beginning, exercise, and then some motion at the end to try to either improve the motion that they had when they first walked in or just to chat with them, check in while I'm doing motion to see how it feels after they've exercised. So I think... To answer your question, I think yeah, there's a, a benefit point. to doing at beginning and end if you can. But again, to go off of your question, it depends on your schedule. That's I try cool. to I try to do it at the beginning and end, and I think we've if always can, done yeah. that. If you can, too. that's a good you know, point. We measure, do we do all that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not necessarily doing like I'm not digging in there doing soft tissue work, but at least to acknowledge joint range of motion, how it feels, end feel improvement, end feel changes. I think this is a definite benefit. Agree. Yeah. I think it depends on the patient's goal, you know, what are they trying to get. I see a lot of patients trying to maybe improve their range of motion. So we'll try a little soft tissue work, and then we'll maybe reinforce with some exercise, and then we'll go back to another manual uh, technique, and we'll go back to some exercise and back and forth, and just whatever works best for that patient. If it's accomplishing the goal, we'll, we'll yep. do it. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes you're you're playing a little bit, right? Because yeah. your treatments are the assessments, yeah. too. So, yeah, that's a good, good. point. Nice. Coco? Jay from the U.K., I'm a physio. Uh, I like okay. that. Jay from the Oak. <laughs> Jay says, I'm a physio and often ask for advice on injuries while coaching in the gym. I happily do this, but sometimes feel I'm shooting myself in the foot when it comes to getting clients. My question is, how much is too much? Where do you draw the line between free advice and consultation? Well, I'd say... So us online, our online presences, presences, what's the, what's the plural of presence, presences. Anyway, we, um, we're learning so much on this podcast, um, our, our online personalities. Um, we, we make a living off, off giving away free information. Um, I would never, ever, ever be afraid to give free advice to people if they ask you stuff. Um, they're going to come to you and ask you, you've just established yourself as as the expert, as the authority, they'll be back. You know, so don't worry about shooting yourself in the foot. Um, they'll be back. You know, you you know. Plus, I don't know. I, I do that just because I think we all got into this field to help people, right? So, you know, I I want to help people when they ask questions, but I would not be afraid of free stuff. Yeah. No, I would, I agree. I think that along with your point, it's also like we're all very big advocates for creating a relationship, a positive relationship with our clients, and you know, being a source of information when they need it. And I think that if you're 
I think that a negative experience of you not giving someone the advice and trying to being brash about it, it would stick in their mind. And the next time something comes up, they're like, oh, I might not go ask Mike or Dan or whatever. I think that because you're constantly there and you can answer their questions when something right. pops up, like roll their ankle, like, oh, right. Dave, I can, well, what do you think that, you know, then you, that's my personal opinion. But there is, I will say that there, sometimes you get these like very long-winded conversations and sometimes you gotta just be like hey you just shoot me an email and like I'll get back to it I just gotta run right now like you can't always, yeah, yeah. You know? if you're in the middle of something right exactly. yeah sure so, yeah. just a caveat yeah I, I'd say part of our model here at Champion is that I mean we have yeah. we, we become like the consultants for yep. people so they're texting me stupid questions all the time no offense uh, <laughs> you know you know just like you know stupid things yeah. like hey like you know should my toe look like this when I sunbathe I don't know I, well, that was a terrible analogy or a ter- <laughs> terrible example but like you, 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 you become Become their resource, but they'll come to you when they when they when they need it. So um, I, I think it's also something screaming at you that might be there's a demand in that area for a hmm. PT or rehab that knows how to work with high, higher level athletes. It sounds like you may have a little a side business to uh, a niche. consider. Yeah, a, a niche 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 niche. What do you say, niche or niche? You know what? I go back and forth. <laughs> when, when you're around Dave, you want to say niche because you sound cooler. But us in New England want to say niche. 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 I got a niche. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no. So uh, one of my favorite authors just in terms of the business world is uh, John Jance and other people like Chris Brogan, um, you know, just other people like that really talk a lot about getting people to know you, like you, and trust you before they buy from you, right? So, you know, to get to the business aspect of that, um, I would never be afraid of that. It's only going to prosper in the end. Coco. Bobby in Washington, D.C. Hey guys, what are your thoughts on blood flow restriction training in both the rehabilitation and performance worlds? I like the idea of improving strength without torquing the joint. I suppose time and research will tell, but do you think it needs the hype? Thanks. So, big question. We had a ton of questions about blood flow restriction. Um, Training um, here at Champion. So, uh, Dave, we've uh, we've kind of tasked Dave. To, yeah, we, yeah, we, we've been playing with it ourselves and with some some of our patients here. And uh, I think we have a specific type of person we want to use it on. But Dave's been putting a lot of effort into yeah. that. So I've been reading a lot of the stuff, just research available, and, and some friends of ours on online are you know familiar with this topic. So, and we've kind of we have an open clinic, so we always toss around ideas about what you know is happening, what we think, and I definitely like the idea of trying to like that specific person post op who can't load. And it's non-weight-bearing maybe or has a whatever cartilage for six weeks they can't go heavy weight-bearing. And you want to maintain that tissue quality. So I totally get the physiology of like metabolic stress and creating hypertrophy through the, the hormonal effect. I get that. But I think some questions that we also have are maybe we just need to learn more and expand upon is like it's still not tensile loading, right? So mechanical loading and you know growth factors from metabolic are two ways to produce, promote adaptation and hypertrophy. So it's great that we have a way to maintain it maybe, but I don't I don't feel comfortable with that being my main avenue to create adaptation hypertrophy because in the end they're not going to be taking metabolic loading in their sport or their life. It's mechanical loading. You know, it's you need to find collagen remodeling, you need to create tensile loading. So I'm sure that the people who teach this stuff would say that you have to go on to do your traditional strength and conditioning research. So I like you know, the idea and concept, I will say that I'm not using it a ton right now besides on myself or a couple patients because I don't understand it fully and know exactly the protocols to go by and the contraindications and all that stuff. So I want to definitely take a course and I think we're going to expand on it more. 
but there's a lot of things that have to get filled in for me from a research or someone who's done it before. Yeah, I think the the benefit or the reason why <clears throat> we've even toyed with it at Champion here is the concept of blood flow re- restriction training. Take a huge step back is to say, like, you know, what, what's the purpose of it? It is you can hopefully get uh, very large strength gains with sub-maximal loading. Right. So by restricting the blood flow, you can still get hormonal changes and other d- changes that, again, Dave's more well-versed on this than I am, um, at a sub-maximal load. So instead of having to be like 80% of a one rep max, you, you can get similar use, gains at a 20%. Point five percent of my one RM, and I was destroyed. Yeah, so exactly. So, so the goal is that submaximal loading, you can still get great strength gains. So when you put it that way, you're like, boom! Of course, this this could be a great rehab modality when somebody's non weight bearing, especially procedures where they're non weight bearing for so long, like micro fractures or right. something like that, where they're so long, articular cartilage things. Man, if if we could do something to to do that, you know, uh, that that would be huge. You know, ACLs have been shown to have prolonged uh, weakness for you know past a year after surgery you know maybe that's because they spend three months deconditioning with like the, the early phases of rehab mm-hmm. so I, I to me to me there's wow there's some good potential there potential, we just we, yeah. we need to kind of continue to learn but um you know um, i'm i'm eyes wide open yeah i just think we, we definitely need some more longer term clinical research about you know comparing groups things like that too i think i want to find out you know, long term, is this really going to be a big thing we should focus on? Yeah, and Dave brings up a good point on the tensile load. Like we we don't know these answers yet. You know, I mean, you need mechanical loading produces a specific adaptation from the hormonal response. If you don't have that, I'm really nervous about being all right. Let's try to sprint. Right. You know, let's try right. to right. you with the front squat. And I think again, the point is that okay, in your early phase of rehab, right. so your first month, right. this might be a good way to do it. But like, you know, I think people that are just doing it in the perform- performance realm, you know, I don't know. Does it lead That's, to more injuries down the road? Really I, nervous I, that. I, I don't know. I, we don't know, and and you know it's it's just like everything else, right? We want to we want to find the the dose that's going to kill us, and then back it off a little bit. So you also yeah. have to know when to not apply, it, which is really important. Yeah. It's like you don't want to just take this like wow. It's like every new modality, needling something like let's use it on everybody. Like everybody yeah, gets it. Yeah, like, yeah. People will do really bad probably with it too. Yeah, Coco, is that it? That's three. That's three. Awesome. All right. Another good episode. Thanks so much, guys. Um, um, Great questions. Um, Go to MikeReynolds.com. Click on that podcast link. And if you have any other questions, PT, rehab, fitness, sports performance, how long it takes Dave to finish his notes every day. Uh, If you have any questions on any of that stuff, just send them (laughs) our way. Yeah. The effective sunbathing on toes. We're here for you guys. Uh, We like a variety of questions, so ask away. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to have some awesome podcasts. So thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.